0: Science in the Shadow podcast, the podcast where the shadow girls get together, tell stories, talk about storytelling and other things
1: that have caught our interest.
2: I am Emily Collins. My name is Orla Devlin. My
1: name is Georgia Dorley.
0: And we are joined as ever by the three smart gnawing dogs. You might be able to hear them, but we're not talking about dogs today. We're talking about wolves. Oh, oh. In particular, one rather uh, lascivious wolf, the wolf. And Little Red Riding Hood. <laughs> so Little Red Riding Hood, it's a story everyone knows, uh, but everyone seems to know a slightly different version because it has been around for... Uh,
2: Ten centuries, uh, I think? 11th but, beginning, I guess. Yeah, but, so yeah, about yeah, a thousand years. Yeah, wow. good time. Yeah. Good time.
0: Good record. And it's changed and it's moved along. But the basic premise most people seem to be familiar with is there's a little girl, which is called Red Riding Hood, because she wears a red cloak or Mm -hmm. a red hat, or some red garment. And she goes off to visit Granny, but bumps into a wolf. And they have a bit of an exchange, because this wolf can talk. As... As wolves do. As all wolves, I know. Yeah. And (laughs) then they decide to take a detour or a race or something, but wolf goes up and uh, connives his way into Granny's house, uh, because Granny apparently doesn't recognise that the wolf sounds different to her grandmother when he says, It's
2: me, your (laughs) granddaughter!
0: (laughs) And then the wolf comes inside and eats Granny, mm-hmm. but doesn't eat her clothes because you know they wouldn't agree with his digestive system. Exactly. <laughs> and he dresses up as Granny, and he gets in the bed. When Little Red Riding Hood comes in, she, well, she apparently is very short-sighted. Should have gone to spec savers because she doesn't realize that this wolf is her grandmother. And the grandmother wolf answers three questions: My, what big eyes you have! All the better to see you with. What big ears you have! All the better to hear you with and what big teeth do you have oh and, they're better uh, to eat you with <laughs> and then she is gobbled up and then depending on what version uh maybe a woodcutter happens to be walking by and uh, cut her and granny out from the wolf alive see that suggests that the wolf didn't chew the food yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm. but that's uh, no that is yeah that is the basic story um it's about Cannibalism, mm-hmm. and because it's a fairy tale featuring a woman, it's also about sex. Yes. Yep. Sex and death. Always. Sex and death. <laughs> Most fairy tales are about sex and death.
1: Eating your own. And sometimes yeah. getting saved by a male stranger. Always. Sometimes, but not always. Mm-hmm. Yes. You have found one of the older versions that yes. doesn't feature the woodcutter. No, so neither of the versions I have actually does. So I, yes, I was, I was looking about, to, looking at the origins of this, and I found um first of all um essentially uh, there's a version from the 11th century uh from a cleric in belgium called egbert that's a great name i know egbert i love it um but um so he he was a teacher he he taught pupils and he compiled this book of sort of bible stories and peasant folklore from the sort of locality Uh, he used them predominantly Mm. to teach his students grammar and how to write and moral Mm. lessons that's kind of why we you know, kids have little fairy tale books of today. Yeah, Interestingly, yeah, yeah. yeah I hadn't actually thought of the that. They're little picture books with like three words on each page. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, he, he wrote this very short account of it, which I, I suppose, shall I read? It won't take yes, long. Yes, please. Yeah. So it's <laughs> technically entitled, Concerning the Girl Saved from the Wolf Cubs. And it goes like this. So the story... <laughs>
2: sorry. And a one, and two, and, and, and one, two, and three, four. <laughs> uh,
1: sorry guys, the brain is slow moving today. The story I tell... The country folk know how to tell me, and it is not so much marvellous to believe as it is very true. A certain man raised a girl from the sacred font, and he gave her a tunic woven from red wool. Shrove Sunday was the holy day of this baptism. When the sun had rise, the girl, now five years old, set out wandering, heedless of herself and of danger. A wolf attacked her and headed for his woodland haunts, and he took her as prey to his cubs and left her to be eaten. They immediately approached her. Then, when they were unable to tear her to pieces, they began to caress her head, their fierceness having been allayed. The little infant said, Oh mice, don't rip this tunic which my godfather gave me, taking me from the font. God, their creator, softens savage souls. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's,
0: oh that's cute it's like yeah, it's, kind it's kind of like the, adorable <laughs> they're little
1: wolf puppies yeah yeah and they yeah i suppose it interestingly maybe like it's the connection of them both being children and having innocence i don't know Yeah, maybe closer to god through that i'm not yeah. sure but it has the wolf it has the red dress it has the girl Yeah so it seems to be that I was reading a National Geographic article about an anthropologist who sort of like studies essentially um, how to trace folklore back to its sort of origin origin point and he was sort of saying that this seems to be as far as he can tell the earliest written down example Mm. that he could trace that has enough of the sort of similarities to be a sort of origin point for
2: Red Riding Hood. So yeah that's pretty handy yeah and it's yeah. it's nowhere well it kind of is as violent but it has less of a you know like a moralistic yeah uh, type of ending it's just kind of like ah nature's nature but yeah, God yeah. is great yeah you know? <laughs> yeah which uh,
0: was being written by a monk so he needed to put
1: yeah.
2: God in
0: there
1: somewhere 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 and teach <laughs> yeah. those poor boys how to do
2: how to writing
0: behave. and grammar but um <laughs> then the fairy tales got really started with uh charles Perrault, yeah. who father fairy tales came up with the whole mother goose thing and he wrote the first red riding hood called red riding hood mm-hmm. Grimm's they were little red cap and he well he had a very clear idea what this was about this yes. was about seduction
2: absolutely
0: and he was very clear that this this wolf was a metaphor And he's going to hit you over the head with the fact that this wolf was a metaphor.
2: (laughs) I actually, I have the quote here from him, if you're interested. From this story, one learns that children, especially young lasses, pretty, courteous and well-bred, do very wrong to listen to strangers. And it is not an unheard thing if the wolf is thereby provided with his dinner. I say wolf, for all wolves are not of the same sort. There is one kind with an amenable disposition, neither noisy nor hateful nor angry, but tame obliging and gentle, following the young maid in the streets, even into their homes. Alas, who does not know that these gentle wolves are, of all creatures, the most dangerous? (gasps) Hero in
0: his his fairy tales in His Mother Goose, which he, when he published, actually did this really sort of strange thing. He published it claiming it was written by his son, who was 10 years old at the time. And this was a sort of interesting Uh, double because at the time in the salons and things, there were a lot of fairy tales being written, but they were mostly done by women, Mm -hmm. and the the women were only just sort of starting to write them down because they'd evolved from sort of word games and story games and showing off, often taking adaptation from uh, a peasant folk tale that you know they would have heard from their their nurse Mm -hmm. as a child or their children's nurses. Mm -hmm. But he decided it was becoming quite fashionable to publish them, so he decided he was going to publish some of his. But it was still seen as a feminine thing and more not deemed by the academy as being as worthy. So by claiming it was done by his son, if it went badly well, it was just a ten year old boy, what would you expect? <laughs> but if it went well, well it will give his son uh an introduction into high society. No. So it was quite clever. Claiming, That's
2: really smart, yeah. Yeah, because
0: he was, you know, he was a member of the Academy and the Elite and yeah. Louis the Fourteenth Son King.
2: One
1: of the Louis.
0: Yeah, the, the 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 really fabulous Louis. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it was his it was his time and uh, when people weren't being fabulous and having affairs in Versailles, they were sitting in Parisian salons talking about fairy tales.
1: It's like one hell of a life. Yeah, yeah. Actually,
0: the fairy tales salon started because um, some women were fed up with the court life because of the etiquette was so strict and you had to be in this place at this time doing this thing. And they were like, look, I can't deal with this.
1: Oh, that's so marvellous.
0: So I can't remember her name, but she, she went back to Paris and she started her salons in her blue bedchamber. Oh, and it was this weird sort of almost copying of the peasant tradition of like the lying in where the you know the woman just had the baby and all the friends and things that come around and gather around the bed mm-hmm. so it was this sort of formal informal space and very much a feminine space because it started by the women just being sick of the court protocol and then of course they introduced their own court pro- protocol yeah. because uh, <laughs> just how things yeah. go but that was where literary fairy tales were birthed
2: fantastic that's, that's really interesting I didn't know that yeah thank you Emily no. yeah <laughs> I, I love fairy tales Yeah. Yeah. Wait, do you? What?
0: (laughs) So he, in, in, the point I was originally trying to make was in Mother Goose at the end of each story, he put in. You know, the story was claimed to be written by his son in prose. And then he put in this little verse in sort of rhyming couplets with the moral to, to make it very clear that this is what the story is about. No, let, let's not have you interpreting your own thing. Uh, so that's a translation of his. Yeah, his yeah, yeah. yeah, And the way I read that was it was uh, sort of a warning about seduction and, you know, worldly men seducing young buxom country maidens. But you read it as something darker.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I came across this article by Maya Starling and... Um, she sort of went through the, the plot and then she gave the Perrault's little translation translation at the end. And it just, yeah, it just seems to be about like, um you know, older men seducing uh, younger girls, yeah. you know, and sort of like they're acting all sweet and friendly and whatever, when really they're a, a wolf in sheep's clothing yeah. type of thing, or yeah. granny's clothing, as it, <laughs> as it would be. Or have you Into the Woods?
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, they really play up that um in the film with Johnny Depp playing the wolf
2: and doesn't oh. isn't one of her songs about like yeah. i'm really excited okay excited but scared yeah or something that's a line isn't it yeah
0: excited but scared and another thing like nice is different than good which is basically the moral of the the piece
2: mm-hmm.
0: but it, in that it makes it very explicit that uh the wolf is seducing her and like come on little girl
2: you, yeah. <laughs> and that she is
0: sort of ex- I- I- in prose versions, she doesn't get saved. Mm-hmm. It's just she and Granny are eaten, and that's it. Mm. Um, but then in a lot of other versions, they get cut out of the wolf's stomach. Yeah. But in The Into the Wood, she's like, and he showed me things, many beautiful things I hadn't heard before, which is sort of like
2: sexual awakening, but it's kind yeah. of frightening. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, it's she's just on the something. sort of cusp of... Yeah. And then I've read a few sort of interpretations being like, it's, you know, when she gets cut out of mm. the, the wolf, bull. it's kind of like, She's become reborn. a woman, or reborn, yeah, or yeah. you know stuff like yeah. that. Oh God! Yeah, that's kind
0: of like you can uh you can go very Freudian with it. Yeah, I mean like the whole she's wearing red—that must be sex and <laughs> menstruation. <laughs> and I, I, uh, I wrote my part of my undergrad thesis on Company of Wolves, mm. and so I came up with my own very Freudian interpretation, <laughs> as
2: we are all want to do with BA yeah. theses. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that
0: the um. That you can actually look at Little Red Riding Hood as the story of Perrault devouring these oral folk t- tales. Because oh. the stories he was using, and a lot of the early fairy tale literary writers, they were taken from the oral tradition. Mm. And they were taken largely from female storytellers. there would be the grandmothers, the mothers, the nurses, who'd be telling them to children. Uh, either to entertain them, shut them up, or scare them.
1: That's what <laughs> yeah. you
0: do with children. But in it, the, the story is Little Red Riding Hood. She is the tale. And the oral storyteller is the grandmother. She is the source um, of it, and she is the oral storyteller. Perrault comes in as the wolf, who is the sophisticated, worldly mm. gentleman who devours the grandmother, eats her, takes her, to then take over the story and do what he will with it.
1: Oh, oh my goodness. So my,
0: my whole sort of Freudian, he's the hes the id, and she's the ego. and Yeah, lot, you, can, yeah you can get very into that, but My thing was, it can be a metaphor for oral tradition being taken over by worldly men of the academy. Yeah.
2: Educated people who could write. Yeah. Yeah. And it
0: it is a whole class thing because, you know, these stories were taken from... Because folklore doesn't have an author. Whereas fairy tales, especially literary fairy tales, they have an author and a creator who claims them. Yeah. Even if they are drawing on the source that everyone owns. Mm.
2: So Low Red Riding Hood is class struggle. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's.
0: She's trying to seize the means of production.
2: She is. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> yes, comrades. <laughs> <laughs> very,
1: very different. Um, <laughs>
2: this yeah. is not I how love it. the
1: podcast was meant to go. Lo- <laughs> yeah. Little Red
2: Riding Hood.
1: Little red, uh, red. red. Yeah, exactly. Communists. Yeah, Little Red
2: Comrade. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure
0: there is a Little Red Comet out there oh
2: absolutely if oh, anyone the has written Little could Red Comet please tweet it to us please
0: tweet it <laughs> but you found a version of Little Red Riding Hood that precedes uh, Perrault and his yeah. moralising Grimm's and their introduction of the happy ever after woodcutter mm, caesarean mm-hmm. section I to yeah
1: so I, I found this in actually um, shout out to my little sister who pointed me in the direction of this thanks Bobby Um, it's from so it's a little account from essentially uh, the, the middle ages of France rural mm. France before Perot took it over, it, it, I've, I found this account in a book called Don't Bet on the Prince, Contemporary Feminist Fairy Tales in North America and England by Jack Zipes, I believe. Jack Zipes wrote loads of stuff, great
0: books on fairy uh-huh. tales. I just
1: thought it was a really cool name. <laughs> <laughs> it is a cool name. Zipes. Also very easy
0: to find in the library.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Oh yes, it's at the very end. <laughs> nice one. But yeah, I can, I'll give this a read. It's actually called The Story of Grandmother. There was a woman who had made some bread. She said to her daughter... "'Go carry this hot loaf and a bottle of milk to your granny.' So the little girl departed. At the crossway, she met Bzoo. I have no idea how to pronounce that. It's B-Z-O-U. Yeah, so B-Z-O-U. The werewolf. Who said to her, "'Where are you going?' "'I'm taking this hot loaf and a bottle of milk to my granny.' "'What path are you taking?' said the werewolf. "'The path of needles or the path of pins?' "'The path of needles,' the little girl said. "'All right.' Then I'll take the path of pins. The little girl entertained herself by gathering needles. Meanwhile, the werewolf arrived at the grandmother's house, killed her, put some of her meat in the cupboard and a bottle of her blood on the shelf. The little girl arrived and knocked at the door. Push the door, the we're, said the werewolf. It's barred by a piece of wet straw. Good day, granny. I've brought you a hot loaf of bread and a bottle of milk. Put it in the cupboard, my child. Take some of the meat which is inside and the bottle of wine on the shelf. After she'd eaten, there was a little cat which said, Foo wee, a slut is she who eats the flesh and drinks the blood of her granny. <laughs> That's I like, don't know. <laughs> Cats. <laughs> <laughs> Very mistrustful. Anyway. Undress yourself, my child, the werewolf said, and come lie down beside me. Where should I put my apron? Throw it into the fire, my child. You won't be needing it anymore. And each time she asked where she should put all her other clothes, the bodice, the dress, the petticoat, and the long stockings, the wolf responded, Throw them into the fire, my child, you won't be needing them any more." When she laid herself down in the bed, the little girl said, Oh, Granny, how hairy you are! The better to keep myself warm, my child. Oh, Granny, what big nails you have! The better to scratch me with, my child. Oh, Granny, what big shoulders you have! The better to carry the firewood, my child. Oh, Granny, what big ears you have. The better to hear you with, my child. Oh, Granny, what big nostrils you have. The better to snuff my tobacco with, my child. (laughs) There's a few of them. Oh, Granny, what a big mouth you have. The better to eat you with, my child. Oh, Granny, I've got to go badly. Let me go outside. Do it in bed, my child. Oh, no, Granny, I want to go outside. All right, but make it quick. So the werewolf attached a woolen rope to her foot and let her go outside. When the little girl was outside, she tied the end of the rope to a plum tree in the courtyard. The werewolf became impatient and said, Are you making a load out there? Are you making a load? (laughs) When he realised that nobody was answering him, he jumped out of the bed and saw that the little girl had escaped. He followed her but arrived at her house just at the moment she entered. So she gets away. Yay! Yeah. (laughs) So yeah, it's a... Bad, yeah, there's... It's... Very different to Peru. Yeah. Very different. <laughs> much, very much, different.
0: <laughs> much less refined. Yeah, yeah. yeah Even though at Versailles, apparently they were just pissing in all the corners. Oh yeah. <laughs> Did you sure. talk about it?
2: Yeah. <laughs> what else would you do? Like, yeah. so it's what... a house made of gold, <laughs> pee on it. <laughs> <laughs> so, what's
1: your in, in, in feeling and interpretation about that story? Um, I suppose, yeah. When I first read this, it was kind of that feeling of like she's, you know, I think she's she's a young child. She she's innocent. She you know i sort of oh, it's, it's kind of like it, i suppose the naivety of a child just being so quick to trust mm. someone and that I, I i think like i also find it kind of interesting in that when she talks to the werewolf originally she she knows that he's yes. a wolf and there's kind of that thing of her not only just a childish sort of trusting of a complete mm. stranger but i feel like it's also something that women quite frequently encounter is that thing of like a stranger starts talking to you mm. and you kind of feel obliged like a- to talk to them, them. so i kind of got that feeling from it yeah i think um I, I suppose i took it quite literally as i want to do um in that she 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 doesn't initially realize that that, that it is a werewolf she sort of thinks oh my granny's sick so maybe she just looks a bit funny yeah <laughs> yeah. yeah but uh but you had a more interesting yeah, interpretation uh, of I, this. i
0: really like that version of the story because she gets herself out of it mm-hmm. um, because in prose version, she's eaten, she's dead. In the Grimm's version, the woodcutter comes along, cuts her out. She's saved, but saved by someone else. Mm-hmm. I really like that she gets herself out of that situation. And so I read it as more of a story about she's playing with her sexuality because, I mean, there's a striptease in the middle. It's definitely a sexy story <laughs> that when she meets the wolf, she she sort of knows what he's looking for. Mm. Uh, and so she sort of plays along in the conversation when she comes to the to granny's house she she recognizes that's that's not my granny in the bed mm-hmm. my granny doesn't sound like that or look like that or smell like that <laughs> but she is slightly intrigued by the wolf and so she plays along with the game As she removes one garment by the other she is exploring her own sexuality and her own power in doing that but also he thinks he's the one who's deceiving her but really she's the one deceiving him holding the power yeah. and when she removes all the things and does get into bed she sort of explores with, with her questions about you know what's going on and then decides actually I'm not into this mm. this isn't really my thing and she's the one who has the power to end the situation mm-hmm. unfortunately she can't just say look Wolfie um not up for this tonight uh, yeah. you, you seem like a lovely wolf but this isn't for me she does have to do it through get out of it through deception but at the same time she doesn't seem that frightened by the wolf, or at least in my reading, in my head, she's not that frightened by the wolf. She's sort of playing along like it, stroking and stroking. What a big jaw you have. Yeah yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. And then decides what to big
1: muscles you have. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh the, I gotta go for a week. Yeah. Yeah,
0: I'm just gonna the powder room. <laughs> yeah exactly. Um, but that she is very much enjoying this, enjoying her power over him and her yeah. feeling of sexuality. But she's safe in her power. She is able to get herself out of the situation and she knows she can get herself out of the situation. And I then imagine her skipping home naked. Yeah, exactly.
1: <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, like yeah,
0: she burnt that. all her clothes. So. Yeah. <laughs> and it, it is kind of interesting that it's, again, bodily functions and fluids and discussion of that.
1: Yeah, like the drinking of the blood in it. Well, it's just like cat. The- yeah. <laughs> well, slut used to mean, mm. rather
0: than um, the term, it the connotations now it used to mean like someone who was untidy he was dirty yeah uh, oh, like I c- did. cinderella day. was called cinder slut because she was covered in cinders <laughs> <laughs>
2: yeah. Cinder, oh, cinder Slut. Yeah, <laughs> different.
0: and just another thing on the language i was reading uh bruno bethlehem's uh use of enchantment where he, he goes through a series of fairy tales uh his basic thesis is fairy tales are important for children because through the stories they're able to resolve their psychological issues that they encounter in just the nature of growing up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you his I, I kinda disagree with his whole thing on uh Little Red Riding Hood, which I'll talk a bit more about in a minute. But he has a footnote on the the path of pins and the path of needles. Because that is a weird thing. I was it's sort of wondering if there's it. different
1: types of conifers. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah, like could it be
0: conifers or like sometimes in other versions it's um the path of pleasure, or the path of virtue. But his explanation for the path of pins and path of needles was it was to do with sewing. Mm. because it would have been, everyone would have made their clothes and normally the women would have made their clothes and if you're trying to fasten two bits of clothes together it's much quicker and easier to do with a pin
2: mm. than it
0: is to take the time and mm. thread the needle and sew it so that was just his explanation oh, for I
2: see. and does, does she takes the for
0: basically one is, one is she took yeah. the needle so it took her yeah. longer basically yeah, yeah. the, the, the yeah. quick way or the long way but yeah. the, the long way will last yeah, uh, interesting which again is sort of like the path of pleasure, the path of virtue but. Just because when I first heard the path of pins or the path of needles, I was thinking like a path that's strewn with pins and needles and you have to step on them. And yeah, it's mm. very grotesque. Hans Christian Andersen foot yeah. torture. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's fascinating.
1: That's I very didn't
2: think fascinating. about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Because yeah. I had seen in some versions it was sort of like, you know, the quick route and the short mm. route, and he sends her off on the long route so that yeah. he can get. Mm. Yeah, that is the yeah. practical
0: implication of it. Mm. Yeah. And, but then it's also going back to Bethlehem about uh, the idea of like reality principle and pleasure principle mm. and here's this whole thing about it's her growing up and her unresolved oedipal complex i don't know i i don't agree with but his argument is she is of that age where she's starting to develop into her sexuality thing but she has an unresolved oedipal complex whereby she is desiring of her father and her father's affection and so but hating or wanting to replace her mother or mother figure, which is the grandmother. Which is why when the wolf encounters her, she tells the wolf exactly where granny lives. Yeah. So she's kind of hoping the wolf will
2: eat her. And she does eat granny. Like eat, she, the wolf does eat granny, yeah. No, no, I mean... Oh, yeah. C- c- uh, not cinderslot. Um, <laughs> sorry, I can't get that out of my head. Yeah. That's so funny. Um, little Red Riding Hood. She yeah, eats, in, in that version, she does... Yeah. You know, there's cannibalism, just
0: yeah. because why not? She does devour her. So his thing was, you know, she's trying to get rid of the grandmother, but... Her desire for the male, who the main male in her life is her father. So her desire for her father is like, eh, is then divided in two. Into the beastly nature and the heroic nature. So the wolf is the predatory male, whereas the huntsman who comes at the end is the, the idealised father. And I, mm. I, it's an interesting interpretation. I can take some stuff from it. I, maybe I haven't fully understood it, but I don't go along with that. Uh, and no. it just doesn't quite I mean some of his other things I definitely would go along with Or need to just like rephrasing and tweaking But that one I don't
2: I think it's a big stretch yeah. I think it's a huge huge stretch To just assume that like It's, it's a mother and father figure Do you know mm-hmm. what I mean? And that you could just see it as like The bad in men and the bad And the good in men as opposed yeah. to like She yeah. wants to have sex with her dad Do you yeah. know like
0: the, He did at one point point out that The oedipal complex doesn't necessarily mean she wants to have sex. You want to have sex with your parent, but that you want them to love you above all else, and for them to want you to love them above all else. It's sort of uh, that wanting for that really almost narcissistic. I want to be the center of your world, type thing. But it's I I I I don't don't I don't find it parental sort of. I mean, there is the mother and the grandmother, but I don't. I'm just mentioning that that's his that is his theory, which I don't necessarily subscribe to. Yeah,
1: yeah. interesting to digest though. Yeah, yeah.
2: Yes. But it's just yeah I don't know yeah. I don't know yeah. maybe if the father figure is absent so she yeah. tries to replace it with, with that a, wolf with yeah, the or with the same. other male yeah, I, characters I don't but even I don't still know. I think that's a stretch I think yeah I, I
0: see it much more as a uh, a story about um, sexual awakening and well, the fear of sexual awakening because like when you're sort of first it's weird and it's messy and it's it's, <laughs> it's, it's like very what, what strange? very uncomfortable <laughs> yeah it, sort it's sort of like, it's a it's a frightening idea when you first you know, hear about it and like. Mm. And that, you, especially with like when if you're female mm. and you you get to that age where people do, particularly men, start looking at you yes. as a sexual object, often mm-hmm. before you are ready to even think about such things. Yeah.
2: yeah, 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 yeah.
0: And that 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 can be very frightening because the idea of sex is being pushed at you.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's the worst way to approach something like yeah. that. Yeah. You know. yeah. Which
0: is why I like the story of a grandmother because it's she is aware of this, but she is at a stage where she can enjoy. Her sexiness. Yeah, or like explore it on her, own terms. on her own terms. But yeah. feel safe enough mm-hmm. and be able to get out of it. Yeah. Which loosely leads me to Angela Carter. <laughs> <laughs> segway. <laughs> Rough segway. Um, there's a, a brilliant film that I highly recommend everyone watch called the Company of Wolves. Mm-hmm. Uh, directed by Neil Jordan. A script co-written by Angela Carter based on some of her short stories. Because she wrote a lot of classic fairy tales or reinterpretations of them including a few on Little Red Riding Hood and the idea of the wolf but the film is divided into many like little short stories and telling things but at the end it does go into the story of the grandmother that she meets the wolf in the forest and the wolf He's being played by this beautiful ballet dancer whose name I can't remember but the actress playing Little Red Riding Hood she's about 14 so there's this sort of weird childishly playful but also vaguely sensual sexual Mm. thing going on. So it's it's a very interesting scene to look at and it's very beautifully shot, but there is this uncomfortable feeling of because the power dynamic about who's in power and who actually who knows what's really going on. But it's it's very and the way it resolves, I'm trying not to give a spoiler, um, but it resolves through her power and her grandmother has been telling her these stories and teaching her these stories. I my interpretation is teaching her to become a storyteller. By telling her these tales, or you could say, like, teaching her the things she keeps repeating or, don't stray from the path, don't eat a windfall apple, never touch a man whose eyebrows meet in the middle. (laughs) Because that's one of the signs of werewolves. Oh. Yeah, there's all sorts of signs of, like, if someone has uh, hairy palms. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Or rough palms, because they've been shaving their palms to hide the hairiness. Oh.
2: Yeah. They're uh, they're a werewolf.
0: But, yeah, that story very... That interpretation of the film very much embraces the idea of the female sexualness and the idea of being able to, Red Riding Hood being able to reclaim her own narrative, either through storytelling or through action, through a combination thereof. And I, I would just recommend it. Yeah. I'm trying not to give spoilers away. <laughs>
1: yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Because
0: I need to watch that now. Yeah, I've yeah. made my note. <laughs> On re- Red Riding Hood reclaiming her power.
2: Absolutely. Not a mm-hmm. huntsman in sight. <laughs> <laughs> this is my favourite version of red riding hood I have to say um and yeah it is it's all about like it it goes back into that theme of like she's self-sufficient and she supports herself it's the Roald Dahl version um so yeah I'll just go into it uh and if you've heard this one before Just listen and enjoy. Just enjoy Orla's voice (laughs) this time. (laughs) As soon as Wolf began to feel that he would like a decent meal, he went and knocked on Grandma's door. When Grandma opened it, she saw the sharp white teeth, the hard grin, and Wolfie said... May I come in? Poor Grandmama was terrified. He's going to eat me up, she cried. And she was absolutely right. He ate her up in one big bite. But Grandmama was small and tough and Wolfie wailed. That's not enough. I haven't yet begun to feel that I have had a decent meal. He ran around the kitchen yelping. I've got to have a second helping. Then added with a frightful leer. I'm therefore going to have to wait right here. Till little Miss Red Riding Hood comes home from walking in the wood. He quickly put on Grandma's clothes. Of course, he hadn't eaten those. He dressed himself in coat and hat. He put on shoes and after that he even brushed and curled his hair. Then sat himself in Grandma's chair. In came the little girl in red. She stopped. She stared. And then she said, What great big ears you have, Grandma. All the better to hear, with the wolf replied. "'What great big eyes you have, Grandma,' said Little Red Riding Hood. "'All the better to see you with,' the wolf replied. He sat there watching her and smiled. He thought, "'I'm going to eat this child. "'Compared with her old Grandmama, she's going to taste like caviar.' (laughs) Then Little Red Riding Hood said, "'But Grandma, what a lovely great big furry coat you have on.' "'That's wrong!' cried the wolf. "'Have you forgot to tell me what big teeth I've got?' Ah, well, no matter what you say, I'm going to eat you anyway. The small girl smiles. One eyelid flickers. She whips a pistol from her knickers. She aims it at the creature's head and bang, 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 she shoots him dead. A few weeks later, in the wood, I came across Miss Riding Hood. But what a change! No cloak of red, no silly hood upon her head. She said, hello, and do please note, my lovely furry wolfskin coat. <laughs> oh, I love that. It's she's so, so good. <laughs> it's so good. It's so good. Yeah. I love
0: that story. And then uh R- Little Red Riding Hood reappears in his his other story, his it's, other version it's, of three little pigs. Yeah, it's Yes, the
2: three big. little pigs and she turns the wolf into a a bag, I think. Yeah. So oh, she's got her yeah. coat and then she's got yeah. a bag. Sure yeah. Bags. It's as uh, well. third th- the third pig
0: that one that has a brick rings up with Little Red and hey, here you got some experience with wolves. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah. And again, it's yeah, it's like because I think we went sort of like she's eaten to she runs away, but the wolf is still alive. And then in this version, like she completely, completely takes over, takes over, completely yeah. in charge. Not even. A...
0: She's sort of a femme fatale. She's luring him in. Yeah. Yeah. And then she's got the, the pistol in her knickers, knickers or in her garter belt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs>
2: bang, bang, bang.
0: Oh, I, lo- I love Roald Dahl's revolting rhymes. Oh, I love it so much. Br- if anyone's looking for a, a present for a, a child or a grown up. Roald yes. Dahl's Revolting Rhymes. Yeah, Definitely. really, really
2: is just fantastic. fantastic. It yeah. goes through um, Cinderella, Red Riding Hood, Three Little Pigs. and, and uh, uh, Snow White's
0: in there as well. Is she? I think she is. Mm. I vaguely remember it. Uh, I think there might be something else, but I can't.
2: Yeah, um. yeah, yeah. There's a few more others, but yeah. they're just delightful. Mm.
0: So we've, we've gone quite a circle on Little Red Riding Hood. But mm-hmm. I'm going to push us a bit further. We talked about the wolf as aggressor. Mm-hmm. But there's, lot, and there's lots of other stories. Like there's the, You were talking about the seven little kids.
1: Oh yeah, so it's sort of Yeah, that one was yeah. Which is a, a a sort of similar vein but um Yeah, so it don't... probably Has a sort of similar origin point Or maybe further back than the 11th century Sort of poem mm. or extract um But yeah, it's essentially Like I remember hearing this as a kid But yeah. I have no idea where So it might strike a chord with other people It's essentially um So the story of the wolf and the kids And Annie Goat leaves her kids at home As in like her, her children And tells them not to open the door for anyone What she doesn't realise is that a wolf is outside the house and overhears her. While she's out, the wolf comes to the door and pretends to be the nanny goat. Because these wolves are good at doing voices. Really good at at impressions, yeah. So the kids let him in and he eats them all. At the end of the story, the nanny goat tracks him down, kills him and cuts open his belly and frees all of her children. Um, Because wolves don't chew. No, yeah, apparently they, don't. they just swallow things whole. Yeah, so yeah.
0: There's, there's loads of stories of you know wolves coming, eating people. Mm-hmm. But then you also do get stories of wolves where the wolf is more helpful. There's a couple more Russian tales where the wolf is a bit more useful. Mm-hmm. Um, and we, we might do another one on wolves. But since we're talking Good about wolves, wolves yeah. and girls, I've been reading uh, a book by... Have I pronounced her name right? Colorissa Pinklora Este. And I probably pronounced that terribly. Wrong, I'm sorry. <laughs> um, but she wrote this fabulous book called Women Who Run With Wolves, uh, which is about the wolf and the wild woman. And this idea of uh, it's sort of it's part psychoanalytical, part fairy tale analysis, part telling folk tales, part self-help. Uh, but this idea that women have this wild woman or this wolf side or, or she's focusing on women, but all people. Mm-hmm. That for various reasons, to fit in with society, to live up to the expectations placed upon us has to be suppressed. But that if you look at these fairy tales and things, they're trying to call out this instinctual side to us, uh, which she refers to as the wolf or the wild woman, sort of using Jungian analysis of the the animal. And she starts it with this beautiful story of uh, La Loba, which um, I'm going to just briefly recount for you, because it's putting the wolf in a more positive aspect because you know you can look at the lord riding hood as the edge the ego and the thing but this is another way of it there was once a woman a witch who lived in the desert alone and the people were frightened of her but at night when the stars shone bright the woman went out and gathered she gathered bones she searched the sand for the dry bones that were forgotten she dredged the rivers and she would gather the bones no matter how big how small and she would take them back to her home And in the firelight she would clean the bones, and she would assemble them piece by piece, and sing to them. And when she had the full skeleton laid out before her, she would sing that special song. And when she sang to the skeleton of a wolf, the song would fill the bones and join them together, and the wolf would rise up and run. And as it ran to the sky and ran to the moon and ran to the light and the dark, the wolf grew flesh, grew hair. And the further it ran, the more the shape changed until at last the wolf became a woman. A woman made of wolf's bones and songs and starlight. The soul of the woman was the wolf.
2: So it's, it's just,
0: it's this beautiful story. Story that just it's very evocative of images, yeah. Yeah, and there's if anyone's read any of the fairy tales by George MacDonald, he has this fairy tale book called Day Boy Night Girl, which the villain of it is a, a witch, but her her soul is a wolf, and the wolf gnaws on her heart, um, mm. which provokes her to doing things because which I think ties into the women who run with wolves because it's all about your wolf soul, your wild woman soul. If it's unsatisfied, it can turn evil, you have to. Mm-hmm. And whatever it satisfies it could be, it's satisfied by having children or creating art and music or telling your boss to fuck off. Yeah. But that it needs to be satisfied in some way that we need to embrace the wolf. And if the wolf doesn't get embraced, it'll start to eat your heart.
1: That's really beautiful. Yeah, yeah. it is. Yeah. It's really yeah. That's me.
0: That's me. Throwing together a load of things that were written a couple centuries apart, but that was great, though. Yeah, it was very
1: good. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So yeah.
0: I think we might have to revisit wolves. I think, I so. think so. Yeah. After that, there's, there's so many stories about them. And there's, there's Peter and the Wolf, and there's.
2: I love oh, Peter yeah. and the Wolf. Yes. Oh man. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I really love Peter and the Wolf.
0: Uh, and the dogs have been reasonably well behaved. I don't think you can get much further away from a wolf than um, these three. But yeah.
2: Really <laughs> <funny>. <laughs> yeah. You're not descended from them. No, you're a teddy bear. You're a teddy bear. No, <laughs> um, but yeah, it is quite interesting how we like started off completely vilifying the wolf, mm. as you know. Like I'm sure people in the 11th century who couldn't defend themselves from real wolves yeah. and had their and you the,
0: know, idea of, uh, the wolf in Little Lord Riding Hood is always male, but mm. the, the idea of the she wolf, yeah,
2: because the, yeah.
0: they're they're the for, more ferocious ones because they're defending their young, mm-hmm. or the load of medieval queens who were called she wolves when they started trying to take power.
2: Yeah.
1: That's a, that's a
0: whole other topic. Yeah. So yeah. Say
1: then there's like Romulus and Remus being raised yeah, by, by wolves. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. So we're going to have to revisit wolves. Yes. I think okay. so. Positive mm-hmm. wolves. Yeah good
0: boys (laughs) good boys girls and non-binary wolves yes exactly (laughs) Um,
2: also just on one final note this also appears in like Once Upon a Time doesn't it
0: oh I I stopped watching Once Upon a Time I
2: barely watched it as well yes but
0: yes Little Red Riding Hood is a character there and they they do embrace the whole werewolf motif yeah and they
2: they embrace the sort of like inner inner wolf inner wolf inner she wolf type of thing as well
0: Once Upon Mm -hmm. a Time it's a TV series I think it's still running yeah, I I. I stopped watching because every time they, there'll be a resolution, they throw something else at you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like and it, it was just, just like guys, Stick you. to your internal logic, please. <laughs>
2: yeah. <laughs> yeah, but it, yeah, that's quite an interesting depiction yeah. of Little Red Riding Hood yeah. of like, yeah. you know, the the sort of darkness within. Yeah. You yeah. know, yeah.
0: embracing the wolf.
2: Yeah. Mm-hmm. But it's kind of messed up if you think of the wolf as how we were portraying yeah. the wolf. Like, yeah. don't embrace that wolf. No.
0: Yeah, don't embrace that Choose wolf. Choose your wolves wisely. Yes. Choose your wolves Embrace wisely. the consenting wolf. Yes. Yes. <laughs> the consenting wolf who respects you. Yes. Yeah. And on that, we're going to leave it. <laughs> uh, if you have any thoughts on wolves, on uh, girls who wear red cloaks, on your inner wolf, or if you don't think you have an inner wolf. I, I don't think I have an inner wolf. I might have an inner rat.
2: Oh, Emily. Well, it's,
0: like, I, I'm a city girl. And I, <laughs> and I live in a country where the, the closest thing we have to walls are urban foxes. I was going to say, I have an inner fox. I yeah, think. I was like, yeah. I've got a
2: little urban fox in me somewhere. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I think I'm much more likely to have an, ur- uh, an urban rat. <laughs> <laughs>
0: uh, anyway, I will, I will discuss that topic further when we talk about rats. <laughs> yeah. um, if you want to get in contact with us, uh, we're on various social medias. On Twitter, we are at Tales Shadows. On Instagram and Facebook we are at tales from the shadows because we've got this <laughs> theater group we make shadow puppets i thought it'd be simple if we just used the same social media handle it isn't <laughs> we're on patreon if you would like to support us we've got multiple tiers and just a huge thank you to our two patrons so far
2: mary and sean thanks mary and sean thank you so much thanks. the most stereotypically irish patrons I mean, <laughs> What? Yes, like oh,
0: cool. Thanks, guys. That it it really means a lot to us. That yeah, we, support. we really appreciate. It. Hope you guys have enjoyed listening to this. My name has been Emily Collins. My name is still Orla Devlin. My
1: name, I hope, is still Georgia Dorley. And we'll catch you next time. <laughs> Bye. Bye.